I would say just start simple and small, right? Like the easiest way to get started, and most people are like, well, I don't know who I'm gonna interview. I don't know how I'm gonna get people. Like you could literally just start with like Zoom, right? You don't even need to pay for it, right? You could start with Zoom, interview five of your clients as a base, as a sample, uh, and then start there. And you don't even have to publish it on podcasting platforms. If that's a barrier, you could publish it on social. Uh, and then just start small like that. See if you like the experience, see how it goes. But most people that do it, love it kind of like we do. And so that's what I would say is that'll stop from it being like this big, hairy, complicated thing. And you can just get moving. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. All right, welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, CEO and founder of SaaStock. Uh, delighted to be uh, joined today by Ryan Staley, uh, who's the, the CEO and founder of Whale Boss. Welcome, Ryan. How you doing? What's up, Alex? Happy to be on the show, man. Yeah, good to, uh, good to have you on the show. I, I, I'm embarrassed to kind of like admit or maybe I shouldn't be but like I recognize the people behind you in the picture but I can't name them uh who who are they and, and why are they there it is and one it, of the best purchases I've made in the history of my life or uh maybe post-covid era it's basically Chris Farley and David Spade and Chris Farley's lighting a car on fire from the scene of Tommy Boy so I originally bought the picture in 2020 in the middle of COVID when everything was shut down and I put it up I saw it online. I'm like, you know what? This just makes me smile. So I'm going to buy it, put it up. And then I'm like, ah, it's not professional. I can't have it in the background, right? So then I put it in the background. It is probably the most talked about piece of uh, anything that I've ever had. And people love it. So it's made a lot of people smile. There we go. It's a, it's a conversation starter, uh, sort of icebreaker. And uh, without knowing that, so I, I, I led into it uh, as well. Uh, and unlike me, I've got the, the kind of formulaic uh, business books on a shelf leaning to one angle and a, a plant that's barely kind of ha- uh, holding them up. <laughs> but uh, I aspire, uh, and this is going to happen, like, and you can hold me accountable to this, but within the next six to 12 months of having my own kind of like professional podcast studio rather than, like you, you know, uh, where I am at the moment, kind of recording this in my office uh, at home. I think the the, the dream would be, uh, but it's quite difficult, I think, whether it's in, in, in SaaS and, and geographically is, you know, doing the podcast interviews face to face, right? Having people, um, you know, kind of in person, but logistically a little bit of a challenge. Uh, I mean, given like, where are you today, Ryan? Uh, you know, because I'm in Ramsgate and uh, where are you calling in from? Like right outside of Chicago, straight west yeah. of Chicago. So, yeah. yeah, it's just like our market and, you know, the online world and the SaaS space, people are all over the place. I've spoken to people today in Korea or done podcasts today in Korea, in Austin, in Berlin, and now Chicago, right? And like to kind of get that all, all in a studio, you know, in the UK and whether it's in London, uh, it's going to be uh, much harder going. Um, so, but so occasionally it would be nice uh, uh, as well. But look, uh, enough about my podcast aspirations and dreams and uh, leveling up. Uh, Ryan, for those that don't know you, uh, please tell them about yourself. Who's Ryan Staley? Sure. I, uh, I'll i give like the 30 second to one minute version because on, on my show, the Scale Up Show, 
it's hard when someone talks about themselves for five minutes straight. So I'll give the real, the real quick version. So, so essentially, I've been in the revenue, I should say, category my entire life, ranging, and I've had every job um, from the lowest job possible, which is the the bottom of the food run, which is like the BDR SDR job I started off with, which was inside sales when I did it. Um, grew into complex sales, then into management. And then I got tasked to start an enterprise sales group where I grew that from zero to 30 million in ARR and five and a half years with four salespeople, no SDRs, no marketing. And from there, about three years ago, I left and I started my own company called Whale Boss and really are helping companies apply the principles that I used in a capital efficient manager, manner, not manager, manner to scale uh, like that I've done throughout my entire career. So that's um, essentially why I started Whale Boss. And then to top it off, too, I'm now releasing an AI product that I have so that I could put that in the hands of more people and basically give people an enterprise sales advisor, uh, basically team and assistant that they could leverage. And so um, that's kind of what I'm working on next. Uh, but outside of that, like, what are you interested in outside of SaaS? What do you do? Like, you know, um, yeah, tell me a little bit about yourself and life in Chicago. Yeah. Well, so my family's here, right? So I have family close by and I grew up here and I love it. I mean, I don't live in the city anymore. I, I did for a period of time when I was young and, and single. And then, you know, I'm fully domesticated now with with two kids and a, a dog and a wife. So I, I got that whole thing uh, buttoned up. But um, I guess like what I, I like, and there's a, there's a couple areas of this, man. Like I've been absolutely infatuated with with AI um, since the founder on my podcast introduced me to Dolly in November. So basically, once I used it and realized there was things that I didn't have the capability to do that I could do in seconds in a couple of keystrokes, that that was like amazing to me. And so I've been devoting a lot of time over the last nine months to that and understanding that with the large language models and other things. Um, but then on top of that too, like in a more personal perspective, you know, I love, I coach my kids teams, uh, for sports. I, um, so I'm a family man, like that perspective, love to travel. I love sports and I'm, I'm really big, as you can see, like, kind of like you, you can't see it as much, but got a lot of books in the background. I love like personal development and growth and biohacking. So I'll nerd out on all that stuff too. Uh, favorite business book that you're reading at the moment? Uh, I'm reading a couple. So um, one by Peter Diamandis. Have you heard of him at all before? I know no? the name, but I can't, I can't place it right now. But yes, I know yeah, the name. It's, yeah, it's called Exponential Organizations. And so basically they deconstructed what the difference was between companies that were highly successful at a unicorn status versus others. And it, it comes down to a lot of things ranging from uh um, an MTP, which is a massive uh, transformative purpose, all the way to systems and how they approach it. And so that's something that I've been digging deep into right now. Uh, very cool. Uh, and then Whale Boss, like where did you get the name like uh, <laughs> Whale Boss from? Yeah, so it was one of those things where it was just kind of like um, I, you know, within the in this sales world, people are always talking about like, okay, well, we want to get more whales, right? We want to get more big customers. And that was one of the things that until I left uh, my previous organization, I didn't know that going from zero to 30 in five and a half years with like no funding and marketing was anything special. I just thought it was just part of doing the job. And people are like, oh, you're really good at at whales. And so that's at getting whales. And so, because I think one of our largest deals was 
600K a month that we got with mm-hmm. Amazon. Whole Foods is an unknown awesome. brand. And so really what we did is I'm just like, hey, this this would be a cool name. Um, and so that's kind of how I landed on it. Makes sense now. Uh, I don't know why I, I, I should have seen that like coming in, but you are the whale boss. Uh, so um, <laughs> it makes make sense to be your, your company that. And the, and, the, and the podcast, so you do the Scale Up podcast. Have you, were you doing that like when you started the business? Were you doing that before? Uh, what is it about who should be listening to that? Um, yeah, tell us about that. Well, the cool thing is I'm right up on about 300 episodes uh, just past that. So that's been exciting. And uh, so th- I love podcasting, you know, like I get to meet people like you and be on the show and then um, and doing my own podcast. Like I decided I'm like, OK, I really want to focus on providing value and interviewing SaaS CEOs, kind of like what you do, man. And so <clears throat> I think I've interviewed close to 150 of them over the last year alone. And so <clears throat> there's been awesome things that have been a byproduct of that, right? There's strategic byproducts of relationships that you create uh, while at the same time I've gotten customers from it. And then I've had a PhD in SaaS because I've, I've deconstructed all those different folks, business models, how they operate, their challenges, their structure. So it's just been an awesome experience. And so um, that's what we focus on is like how to scale up an organization. And once again, going back to my obsession with AI recently, that's, I've been a heavy, heavy focus of like how to integrate AI into the business, how are companies leveraging it to scale up as well. And so I've been interviewing founders on that. I'm going to start doing my own personal pieces on it as well, because there's there's workflows where I'm discovering how we could do eight hours of work in 20 minutes. And so I just want to share that with as many people as possible, because I think it's going to be one of the biggest single changes in mankind that we've ever experienced. And it's going to be hard for a lot of people. So I just want to share some of the things I'm finding because it's it's been like mind blowing. So, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I I concur. I mean, I've been doing podcasting now for eight years. It's a great way to meet people uh, that you would never like normally meet because I mean, uh, I mean, actually, we did meet in you know uh, I, I think uh, Nathan Lacker's conference, but uh, it's typically you, you know meeting someone that's based in like Chicago, like when you know when is the opportunity for that uh, yeah. to happen, and people that are of similar interests or people that you want to learn from. And uh, so it's a great strategic way to meet people and learn. Uh, you know, I, I've learned so much from doing podcasting uh, uh, over eight years. And uh, yeah, a big part of the job that I, I love doing. Uh, so uh, yeah, great to see and a great way to build like personal brand, company brand, uh, et cetera. Exactly. And I see like, the, I mean, the, 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 the landscape of podcasting is pretty uh, I don't know, it's sort of saturated, sort of like, I would say sort of right now, but certainly when you look back at, I think 2015 was when I started the SaaS Revolution show and there wasn't a lot of B2B uh, podcasts, very few B2B SaaS podcasts. I mean, we may have even, you know, been one of the first, uh, uh, I would say. But now there's like a whole ton, um, uh, which I think is great, right? Um, but I, I see people kind of like thinking about whether we should do a podcast and then they start and they just give up so so early, right? Because it is a long game. You've got to be consistent. Uh, I think the podcast, I was just speaking to two guys, incredibly smart guys, founders of uh, Evron, and, you, you know, their thing was like, uh, or something that I, I certainly picked up was about consistency and, you know, being consistent in mm-hmm. the things that you do. And uh, people are just not consistent enough. And here, you, you know, you, you've done 150 uh, interviews this year, more than 300, you know, going kind of eight years later, 
still going. But only I guess maybe still going because it's working, or maybe it's working because I'm still going. Like I, I, I don't know what. <laughs> What, what how, many, how many episodes have you recorded, Alex? You know, I, I don't know off the top of my head, and uh, that's embarrassing. But I, I think I, I want to say it's like it's over four hundred. Uh, so actually, the fact that you've kind of like done three hundred in you, you know in, in the time that you've been doing it uh, is is really good going. I, I think like initially we were doing, I was recording one a week, um, and then I think there were periods where. Uh, like over Christmas or whatever, where I just kind of like stopped recording for a while and, you know, wasn't pushing kind of much out uh, and then kind of like picking up the cadence uh, again. But uh, we've always published pretty much one a week um, with the odd exception. Uh, I know like some people that like, publish like two a week or one a day, uh, like Lacker does one a day, uh, but he's, oh, yeah. he's, re- he's recording nine on a Monday, you know, and that would absolutely fry me. Uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's a shorter episodes um you, you know mine are a little bit longer but uh yeah like uh i mean today is very exceptional i'm doing five today and uh, you know i'm sure i'll sleep well tonight uh, uh, i think um, but um let, let's let's sort of move on uh, a, a little bit about the topic that we chose sort of like before this and um you, you know we we i asked the question like you, you know what should we talk about you know one of the things i think you gave us some options and something that i think we both agree that we we see and you know, whenever I, uh, the SAS founder membership that we have, which is this support network of founders, um, uh, like a peer group, like helping each other get to 10 million revenue, we run a lot of like uh, virtual events, masterminds, you know, exclusively for them. And I'm often going to them because I want to get customer feedback into say like, what topic should we talk about, you, you know, in the, uh, in, in the virtual workshops. And always coming back we we need new customers right we need more pipeline and it's like oh we can't do pipeline and you know sales and new customers every time um and when we we spoke you, you again you kind of said look the single biggest challenge that you see is pipeline building pipeline within SaaS. so uh given that you you know you've helped build a lot of pipeline uh, and you're a well boss you know let, let's kind of talk about that and see what why, why is it the biggest challenge is uh, I, I guess kind of the the, the first question yeah, I think because, well, you mentioned, right? So that you thought podcasts were saturated and there's been massive growth. I think you, you hit on a great stat. There's about 90% of them. I think you didn't mention this, but this came to mind when you were talking. I think 90% of them quit after eight episodes, right? So even though it seems like it's saturated, it's not because of that, right? Um, however, I think the biggest challenge with pipeline is like, it's very easy to get distracted from. That's one of them. Uh, especially for the folks listening, the founders listening today, is it's easy to get distracted with everything else in the business, whether it be the back end of the sales process, the actual sales process, or the 10 million other things you're doing as a founder and CEO. So I think that's it, one of the things that uh, reasons why it's a challenge. The other thing is too, is like as you grow and scale up, you know, once you you break that 3 million barrier, then you break the 10 million, then you break the 30 million, you know, I, I've seen a consistent, like, it's very, very hard for companies to master it and, and just repeat that over and over and over again. And so, like, that was one of the things that causes the most stress in a business, too. So when I started looking at it, there's there's a couple different ways, I think, that you could solve that. And I know that you could solve it because I've seen it with folks that I've worked with. So if you're talking, like, in the earlier stage or even larger stage, and this might be like an inception show because it's a podcast talking about podcasts. But 
I think one of the things that I've helped people with is a podcast as a pipeline. So set that up. And this basically happened on accident. Um, wasn't something that I was intentional about initially, but I started interviewing these SaaS CEOs and a lot of them started asking me like, hey, Ryan, so what exactly do you do, right? Like, how do you do it and what do you do? Like, really appreciate being on the show, very grateful um, for talking to your audience. What do you do? And so then that is basically like, tell me your elevator pitch, right? <laughs> um, so then what happened was I would tell them what I do and they're like, that sounds really interesting. I'd like to talk more about it, right? And so it was almost like pandemic golfing because I, it started off as, you know, just a show, creating content uh, and, and really providing value to my audience. But then what started to happen is I started to get direct conversions from the podcast. And so, you know, one of the founders I work with, they're about two and a half mil in, in annual revenue. And, and one of her biggest problems was pipeline. And so I helped her set this up and there's a process that I refined by doing it. And so as a result, what happened was she got $500,000 in pipeline before she even launched her show, right? By following this. And then, you know, shortly thereafter, she got another million in pipeline, has got audience with country leadership at like Walmart and 7-Eleven and other really big companies. And it's because it's based on human nature. It's like providing value at a massive scale upfront to people. Uh, right for the for having them be on the podcast, they get to share their story, what they're good at, and promote themselves. And then in return, there's almost like a sense of I don't want to say obligation, but reciprocity, where they 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 want to truly help you if they can. And if you provide something of value, it's really easy to convert that on a consistent basis into revenue. Now, one of the things that always comes up is like, okay, well, how scalable is that, Ryan? And here's where I would say uh, answers that question is. You don't need it to be scalable and, and fit every single part of your sales process. What you really want to look at this for is the top 20% of your ICP, which I call your perfect customer profile. If you do that, and let's say someone's average deal size, I looked at this for one of my customers, one of their average deal sizes is $18,000 ACB. However, if you look at the top 20% of their ACB, which is the perfect customer profile, or I should say the top 20% of their ICP, um, their average deal size was 45,000. So basically you look at that top 20% and those are the people you interview. So the biggest opportunities or the whales, if you will. And that's when you create a flywheel of cloning, replicating and growing your single biggest customers that you have year over year that leads to massive growth. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think as you mentioned reciprocity and uh, I think if you look, uh, what is it? Uh, Cialdini's book uh, Persuasion, isn't it? Um, where he talks about this psychological, um, uh, I don't know, kind of like pillars that you can sort of leverage when you're, you're selling and marketing uh, uh, to people. And uh, as you're calling out reciprocity there, it's definitely something that we see, you know, experience through uh, through podcasts. Like, I don't know what the percentage is. It's not 100% of the time, but definitely most people, you know, are good humans and uh, appreciate the platform and the time. Uh, and you know, would like to you know, help in uh, in some way. From from our perspective with Sastock, I kind of um, do a little bit of a mix uh, of that in terms of like you know sharing a little bit of a, like our strategy. Uh, sometimes we just uh, and maybe it's like a third, third, third. But mm -hmm. like we will we will have guests on the podcast that look. We've got no agenda, right? You know, these are just good people that are going to add value to our audience. Yep. Um, then we have obviously we, we run you know the SaaS conferences, 
so then we will, um, you know, have speakers that are speaking in SASTOP USA or SASTOP in Dublin on the conference and have them, you, you know, lead with value and have a normal podcast. And then at the end, just like plug in the conference a little bit, right? Because I, I think it, it, it sort of makes a lot of sense. Hey, this amazing, you know, founder, investor, whatever, is also speaking at SASTOP, right? So if you want to meet them in person. Um, uh, and so we do a bit of that. And then I would say the other third, and I, I, I'd be interested to see, like, actually, if, if we are quite, you know, at a third, 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 but um, for, for sake of this podcast is, hey, we're looking at who is our ICP, who are these, the, the top 20%, can we get them on the podcast, whether it is for them to become a potential sponsor, which would be great, or whether it's, hey, we, we get their CEO on so that they know about SASTOC and they get to meet me, we get to have a conversation you know, strike up the first, you know, innings of a relationship, hopefully. Uh, and then following from that, we can, you know, invite them to speak at SASTOC or, you, you know, whatever. We find a way to say, like, you know, hey, we have this platform, other platform, which is events, and, you, you know, let's do something together. So that's the kind of way we think about it. I know some people, and I guess the question here, what are your thoughts, um, either like based on that strategy versus, some people just going out and only interviewing prospective customers for all their guests. Is, is there right or wrong in your, your uh, opinion around that? Here's what I would say is as long as you're like authentic and genuine and wanting to do two things. One is really have the person tell their story and, and share their journey and, and, it depends on what your, your podcast format is, yeah. of course. Right. But like, is, as long as you have good intent with that, and then the other good intent that you need to leverage is to find a way uh, to provide value to your audience. As long as you hit on those two levers, I think you could do any kind of format that you want, right? Um, I, I mean, at, to be fully transparent, I do the same thing too, man. I don't do like 100% client acquisition. Like I said, it happened on accident. I like, if there's interesting people that I think would provide value to my audience, I'll do that or strategic partners. So there's a lot of different ways you could do it. However, like, and then it creates creates a steady flywheel of content as well. You have those systems set up, which is like more the product-led growth angle um, versus the direct pipeline acquisition for high ACV. So there's multiple layers to it that you could leverage, but that, that's just kind of my view. You can play it multiple ways. There's no right or wrong way to do it. It just depends on what fits for your business and then your audience and then your guests. What about some other, I mean, other examples of like how you, you know help building pipeline, right? Obviously there are all different sorts of SaaS companies serving different markets and, you know, your, your SMB, your mid-market, your, your, your enterprise, I think largely here, uh, you're, you're helping a, a lot more expertise around nailing the bigger customers or, or, or acquiring the bigger customers. But what, what else could people be doing? What are you seeing? You know, how have you helped uh, uh, people do that? Yeah. So another one that I love, another play, and this is for anybody who has, I don't, know, I don't know, you don't even need to have a ton of customers. You can have, I've seen it work with as small as 20 customers uh, or 50 customers, right? Is referral-led growth. Uh, one of the things that organizations and I've seen companies be hyper-intentional about is the product value that they deliver to their customers, which is, right, that's product market fit. That's what that's designed around. At the same time, they'll be hyper-intentional about a sales process that they create or a marketing process that they create. However, they're not hyper-intentional about a referral process that they create. And so they'll treat it more like an event than a process, right? Like, oh, we just asked for referrals and we didn't get any, right? Well, that'd be like the same thing as 
you have a seven-step sales process just going out and asking people to buy your product, right? It just doesn't work. Um, a third of Tesla's Model, S, uh, Model S's were actually uh, acquired through a referral program. And I think it was like 97% of Slack's users were as well. And so one of the things that I've seen work really, really well is to create a referral system, referral systems, I should say, within your business that's integrated in what your team's already doing. And the reason why is because they are literally the highest converting lead in terms of close percentage and in terms of they're above average in terms of speed, uh, leads to higher LTV and, and probably has the lowest CAC of any other opportunity uh, that you could have for, for you know, pipeline creation. And then at the same time, the beautiful thing is if you set it up the right way, is it creates a tighter emotional connection to your brand and your company that 99% of SaaS companies walk right by. And so what it does is it creates pipeline. This is the most beautiful thing, Alex. It creates pipeline that's not attached to hiring SDRs or is not attached to people, right? There's some a people element to it, but to add pipeline year over year, you don't need to keep hiring SDRs or other, you don't need to keep putting money into paid ads. Like you could get this and it, it blows up a business. So um, that's one of the other things that I see working really well. Well, um, as you mentioned, SDRs, right? I think you know it's it's pretty common that we see a lot of SaaS companies. Uh, obviously, you've got inbound, you've got your outbound, and from the from the outbound, like you know, scaling up their business by just adding more SDRs, more SDRs. You know, once they've kind mm -hmm. of found the process that works. What are your What are your thoughts, kind of you, you know, around that? Like, how do you work with businesses that, like, I guess, kind of do the SDR model? Is there uh, a, a way or some like tips that you can kind of like, uh, I don't know, just kind of like um, Im improve or you, you see the things that are working like with SDRs sort of right now that uh, people that are just starting to build out their SDR team, they could uh, maybe get some learnings from. Well, yeah. So I think it, here's, here's the thing. Did you know that 73% of SDRs fail basically? I, I didn't know, but no, I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. So the failure rate is like at 73%. Um, the max tenure is like 18 months because nobody wants to keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, and the results, and I, I've seen this in like closed forums of CROs talking about it. I'm not going to say where I see, see this from, but, uh, I I've seen it and they're like rates are the conversion rates with SDRs and pipeline are so down. Uh, and in most cases I've seen broader studies on it done across, uh, I think it was like 300 SaaS organizations as well. And the reason being is because it's a broken model, right? There's there's still opportunity to leverage it. However, it's hard and it, it's not designed for success anymore because there's so many spam filters, so many blockers, and you could be successful. However, it's really hard to nail because like people don't want to do it long term. Um, you're basically asking kids that are right out of school with their first job to get the shit kicked out of them for every day. Um, and at the same time, you're you're basically expecting them to have the business acumen to be able to convert people that are 20 years senior to them in terms of business experience into converting and want to meet with them. And like I said, there's elements where it does work, but it's not the catch-all solution that I think is what's kind of caught on. I think the, the SaaS industry is brainwashed and thinking that's the only way to go. And so that's why I started helping companies with the referral-led growth model because like you have so much goodwill, like, like, for example, here's the criteria. If you have decent retention, right? Let's say you have good client retention, 
Um, at the same time, you have uh, a chunk of customers that you could leverage anywhere from 20 at the minimum, but 50, 100 plus, right? What will happen is like not having a referral program for pipeline is the equivalent of not having an upsell and expansion motion for uh, clients. Like in my mind, that's how ridiculous it is because like you're literally fishing with dynamite once you do it. So instead of like piling more SDRs on or trying to make them more efficient, I would say is like leverage the, the top SDRs that you have, but then also look at other models, uh, like really focusing on the customer emotional experience, systemizing referrals, and then that'll create the pipeline you need. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm going to move into the quick ish fire round uh, now, Ryan. Um, so what one thing has moved the needle the most for you in your career? Uh, yes, I would say it's a great question, man. So I would say the number one thing is, um, especially with large deals, uh, or sales as a whole, um, there's a a large failure. I think 67% of sales reps do not make their quota. CROs have like an 18 month average tenure rate. So with that sales is one of the most highest rewarding jobs, but also one of the highest risk. And so I would say grit is is one of the things that helped me succeed because like there's so many times where I've been told no or that it's not going to happen or just non-responsive. And the, the basically the perseverance and resiliency is what's led me to overcome uh, things like that. Uh, what's the biggest failure you've made and lesson learned? Yeah, so... I think um, the biggest failure that I made was in leadership uh, when, and part of the reason, and this actually became one of my largest successes is the reason why I got tasked to start up an enterprise team uh, because the team that I had working for me didn't like me anymore. (laughs) Right. And um, I sucked as a leader because of the fact I thought the best way to succeed was to work as many hours as possible grind myself into the ground, abandon everything else and focus only on business. That made me miserable, which in turn made me not fun to be around, which made me, even though we got results, made me not a good leader, right? And so that was one of the biggest failures I had, but then that led to a new opportunity, which was absolutely amazing for my career, my life and my family. What what do you think is, I'm sure there's many things here, but what's one of the hardest things about sales in 2023? Yeah, I, I think... Um, one of the hardest things is like you have to be exceptionally well and because of the B2C buying experience that folks have, they expect that on the B2B side, right? With the customization, the relevancy, and then the third layer is connection um, and all the way down to like how you communicate based on their disk profile, right? So there didn't used to be that level of expectation on the buyer side. There's a lot more patience, I think. And so I think that's one of the things that um, whether you're in sales or sales leadership or you're a founder trying to do this is really, really critical to get down to that level of detail because that's what people expect at a bare minimum combined with outcomes and results. If you don't execute on those two things, then that's where you get in trouble. What's um, You mentioned a couple of books at the beginning of the podcast, but What's maybe one book every SaaS founder needs to read, whether sales or not? Yes. So I think, um, look at my bookshelf because I got I got a ton. I got the one behind me, but I got a real big one over there and I'm, I'm looking at them. 
because uh, there's a bunch that jump out at me. You know what it is, man? Like, looking at that too. There's one that's called uh, the Gap in the Game. Have you heard of that at all? Not heard of it at all. No. It's um, by Ben Hardy and Dan Sullivan, and it's yeah, it's okay. actually so folks that are on my podcast, I give it to them as a gift. Founders that are on my podcast as a gift. And basically what it is, is it's, it, it had a massive impact on me. I made my son read it. Um, he liked it, but basically it's around transforming what happens to us in life and creating a positive experience from it. Because literally if you are a founder, you have one of the hardest jobs in the world that will beat you up mentally at one time or another, no matter what happens. And so it helps you really experience the journey instead of just looking for the result. So that's, that's one book I would recommend. Good stuff. And a, a final quick one, because um, obviously we're both podcasters uh, and we talk about um, perhaps sort of using podcasts to build pipeline here. Um, for those that don't have a podcast at the moment, what's like a good tip to like either get going or be successful in some way in podcasting? Yeah, I, I would say just start simple and small, right? Like the easiest way to get started, most people are like, well, I don't know who I'm going to interview. I don't know how I'm going to get people. Like you could literally just start with like Zoom, right? You don't even need to pay for it, right? You could start with Zoom, interview five of your clients as a base, as a sample, uh, and then start there. And you don't even have to publish it on podcasting platforms. If that's a barrier, you could publish it on social uh, and then just start small like that. See if you like the experience, see how it goes. But most people that do it love it kind of like we do. And so that's what I would say is that'll stop from it being like this big, hairy, complicated thing and you can just get moving. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean I've, um, I've met and, and spoken to, I'm sure you have as well, so many people that said like, hey, I'm going to start a podcast and they just never get going, right? And they so just true. Off. I think they're a little bit daunted by it and it, yeah. they just kind of put off, but it's just, just got to get get going, start small and take, make the barriers kind of low um, and, and, and get going. But uh, good advice. And Ryan, we're at the end of the podcast. Um, where can people find you? Uh, Whale Boss Online, um, you know, the podcast. Uh, yeah, please do share. Yeah, so I would say the, um, the Scale Up Show is my podcast. Uh, so if you want to check it out, would love to have you as, as part of my community. And then I publish content on LinkedIn daily, uh, multiple times a day, right? So I'm sharing a lot of details and strategies. And so connect to me on LinkedIn and just put in the connection request that you heard me on the SaaS Revolution show. And um, I have some really exciting things that are kind of coming down the pipe. Um, my website's being redesigned right now as we speak. So those are the best two ways to get a hold of me. And um, here's some of what I'm working on. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, Ryan Staley, um, fan of Whale Boss uh, and the Scale Up Podcast. Thanks so much for being on the SaaS Revolution show today. It's a, a great chatting with you. Yeah, it was a blast, Alex. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaS conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasdoc.com.